Hello, friends. Welcome to a special edition episode of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. If you missed it, episode 928 is a full breakdown, our standard look at the Hawks-Mavericks game from Wednesday, talking about all the highlights, the lowlights, the game flow, individual breakdowns, controversies, the last play, all of that stuff is on that normal standard podcast. However, we have more content coming after that game. I spoke to Nick Angstead of the Locked on Mavericks podcast in a crossover edition, which you are about to hear. Nick is the host of that show when he's hosting this particular episode as well, but a lot of back and forth, big picture stuff, some some talk about the Hawks-Mavs game from Wednesday, etc. Some John Collins, some Kristaps Porzingis, all that kind of stuff, and we'll have more after the game on Friday when the Hawks are back in action, but this is sort of an, an, an extra episode to tide you over between now and then. Check out Locked On Mavericks, check out Locked On Hawks. As you're listening to this podcast, you probably already are, but subscribe to the podcast. And after you hear our introduction and our normal music, you'll hear Nick and I talking about the Hawks and the Mavericks. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks and Atlanta Hawks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and coordinator for the Lockdown Podcast Network. And joining me, friend of the pod, I guess, co-worker of the pod, I guess, uh, Brad Roland, Lockdown Hawks. If you're listening on Lockdown Hawks, you know him. Uh, Brad, what you got for me? Listen, I'm here. It's always fun talking about basketball and uh, we're hanging out. It's, it's always fun. I will say for me to talk to you, I'm not sure that's that's uh, the same for Hawks fans and Mavs fans overall. But you and I get along just fine. So here we go. That is true. You and I, we're gonna we're gonna stay civil on this. We're gonna have probably a more intellectual <laughs> than emotional conversation about Luca and Trey Young, at least than than what is happening on Twitter. So uh, yeah, amazing. So uh, today, amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com. Tell them that Locked On sent you. And today on the show, we are going to talk some big picture stuff about the Mavs, about the the Hawks, about Trey Young, Luca, some of that. It's kind of a rivalry. It's, the games have been at least pretty good the last two. Uh, this is a post game for the Mavs podcast. This is not necessarily post game for the Hawks podcast. So we won't get too deep into the breakdowns. Isaac, by the way, is uh, dealing with some kids stuff. So he's got two ki- he's got two kids under the age of three. And so to be honest, I'm surprised he's not out more than he is right now. Uh, which you know he's kind of been an iron man with that there was also a question i posed on twitter during the game after the mavericks won 118 to 117 clutch game is john collins better than christoph porzingis and i was surprised by the results so we'll talk about that a little bit into the show Uh, but let's just start surface level so brad what's your take on these on these last two games and what what do you think it tells us about either team um, I mean, not that much, quite honestly. I think the Mavs getting to where they're supposed to be or close to it is probably the biggest takeaway in terms of like being impartial national. Like I think the Mavs were just so bad before these before the stretch and they kind of started their bounce back with that win over the Hawks last week and then they're you know, what what they won for the last five now after tonight. So correct. That's probably the bigger like broad takeaway. I think the Hawks played pretty well 
on Wednesday evening and you know they covered the spread for instance like they were hanging around they led they led the entire not the entire way but a lot of the way including most of the second half it's a frustrating loss for the Hawks in a lot of ways and that kind of feeds into their um, inability to close some some games this season they've not quite figured that all out just yet and that will definitely be a takeaway locally but I think the Hawks played pretty well this is kind of a good game I mean it's one of those things where it's not always fun to just say that but this is a very entertaining largely well-played basketball game for four quarters between two teams that are pretty good and pretty fun so that's not like the most controversial takeaway in the world but I think (laughs) it's kind of what happened yeah I, I usually I try to take real good notes at the end of the game usually around the third quarter since the Mavs always blow third quarters I just like throw in notes and then in the fourth quarter I'm like all right clutch time comes I'm writing down every single play I'm writing down what's going on what's happening and all that this game I was just taken in and I, I didn't write anything I was just watching I mean they're just going back and forth making shots here making shots there I mean the, the Hawks just kind of ran into a, a strange like Tim Hardaway Jr. hot streak uh, I guess as Hawks fans you're used to those hot streaks but you're also used to those not hot streaks that we are very oh, oh yes uh, <laughs> I kind of I, I called the revenge game last week um, not that he's played against the Hawks several times now, but he has the thing for doing this against the Hawks, at least in, at least anecdotally. And tonight, especially in the fourth quarter, like you said, the second half, but in the fourth quarter, Hardaway and Brunson had 24 points combined. And they, I think, shot 10 of 15, including yeah. four threes. So, like, at the end of the day, it's kind of a shrug. Like, yes, defensively, the Hawks could have been better, but those two guys just kind of went nuts at the, at the, at the appropriate time for them, I guess. Yeah, and, and so for... For Hawks fans, it might be like, oh, dang, these guys went off. Like, what the what the hell? For us, it's like, yeah, what the hell? These guys, these guys don't necessarily go off like this all the time and can't necessarily be relied on. I like to say that they're uh they're 50% or like 25% players, where like 50% of the time they're gonna bring something like this, or 25% of the time they'll bring a game like this. The rest of the time, it's kind of a mixed bag, right? You're not really sure what it is, which is what role players are, right? If they could do that. If Tim Hardaway Jr. could play like this every night or Jalen Brunson could play like that every night, they'd be, you know, all-star type level players or at least, you know, like a higher up level player. Maybe not all-star, but, you know, they'd they'd be a lot better players. So, yeah, I I think you can't take too much away from these individual games, especially it's just so it's just so strange. Like the Hawks were missing a bunch of guys in this game. And then there was some weird foul trouble on both teams. And like the Mavericks are finally getting some guys healthy, but Porzingis didn't really play a lot of the fourth quarter. The Mavs were kind of playing next man up mentality, but Porzingis wasn't hurt. He wasn't out of the game. He just took himself out of the game. Basically. I honestly thought that he was really terrible in this, in this game against the Hawks. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and the Hawks had a little bit on that end of the floor as well. Like Capella was pretty bad for the Hawks in this game, which is weird because it was a good matchup for him, for him overall in the past. So those two guys kind of canceling each other out in a little, and I would say not necessarily all the way through, but they, they just fouled did. each other out basically. That's what they did. Yeah. I mean, Capella had four fouls with like 10 minutes left in the third. And that, that sort of threw off a lot of what Atlanta was going to be able to do up front, because I think coming in, especially last week, the plan, at least in my mind, was to just kind of, if I'm the Hawks, try to bludgeon the Mavs inside. I, I did some yes. Mavs podcasts before um, that game, and that, that was the question I, I was getting, like, are the Hawks just going to kill the Mavs inside? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, maybe, uh, just because of the way that, that they've been playing with Collins and Capella. But in this game, Capella just didn't have much. Collins was awesome, but I think I think Dallas probably benefits from – on a night when Chris Dass was not very good, neither was Capella. What's your take on the the Trey Young kind of draw try to draw a foul at the end of the game deal? After the game, Willie Colley Stein had a pretty funny quote. He said, I didn't even see Trey on that play. So Willie, you know, is is guarding the the guy closest closest to the inbounder. He turns he turns a corner and all of a sudden Trey Young's right there. He runs into him. 
And then Trey Young falls down. They don't call a foul on it. Trey Young gets really mad. And after the game, Willie said, I didn't even see him there, but that was a pretty sneaky move. Pretty smooth. <laughs> That's what he said, he said about it. Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it probably gets called a foul a lot of the time in the game just because he gets knocked down, he's bleeding for one, and the way that Trey reacted was a pretty good indicator to me. Like, he doesn't usually go that nuts, and he went pretty nuts as soon as the play happened. I mean, the you last know, two Mavs was, games, he's gone pretty nuts, so I don't know if that's a normal thing for him. It just seems well, like – Well, yeah, he, 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 definitely, uh, he definitely complains to the refs, but, like, in terms of just, like, anger, I think he was at another level than he usually doesn't hit – in that spot and predictably you know you had the hawks guys you had lloyd pierce you had trey one in the call at the end of the game uh, there was a pool report about the about that call at the end um i wasn't like i don't think it was a crazy bad no call or anything anything like that if they had called it i wouldn't have been surprised either given the moment and what happened there and the hawks just didn't execute the play after that so it wasn't like that that end of the game the hawks had a chance to win it from there and i think the play call probably ends with trey getting the ball back like people were i think hawks fans were worried that you know, Trey setting a screen. Why is he setting a screen? Not, not getting the ball. I'm thinking, well, he was probably going to set a screen and then roll off of it and get the ball. Um, so it just kind of ended the play in a lot of ways because your best player is now on the ground as you're inbounding <laughs> with four seconds to go. Yeah. Uh, so that was not what the Hawks wanted to do. I think, like I said, I think my, my not so hot takeaway was that it's probably a foul a lot of the time. And in that spot, you're probably not, not getting that call unless you're I almost said unless you're bleeding, but he was bleeding. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure what I'm what I'm thinking here. I think it, if they had called it, I would not have been bothered. They, they didn't call it. I get why the Hawks are mad, and I get why they didn't call. Yeah. Th- so that whole play, like, it shouldn't have come down to, to whether Trey Young got fouled or not because no. Trey Young set the right screen. He actually set a really good screen on Willie, and which is not necessarily hard to do against Willie Colley Stein. But uh, John Collins was rolling to the rim, and Kevin Herter just kind of froze and didn't hit John Collins on the on the dive to the rim. If he would have hit him. Game probably would have been over at that point because he just had a wide open rim right there. So it came down to a lot more than that. And also, I want to be fair. Yes, Luca complains a lot. <laughs> so, so, oh yeah, he 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 definitely does. And uh, yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, that that all. Uh, I won't even bring it back up. But uh, shout, shouts to shouts to Mark Cuban for uh, for going at Zach Lowe about that. That was, <laughs> that, was that was wild. We didn't even really hit on that on the on on this podcast because. Uh, we like to joke that Mark Cuban's a loyal listener because I think he listened to like one show and he's been on, you know, one or two times throughout the years. There you go. But uh, yeah, so we didn't, we didn't even touch on that. But yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if you, you don't go after the, the king of basketball writing. I don't know if the guy that knows everything. About yeah, that would not, that would not have been the guy that I went. Listen, there, there are plenty of <laughs> yeah. uh, prominent basketball people that I, I wouldn't call mind out? challenging. I'm not sure. Zach's not the one. Uh, you I'll just start say that Zach's, Zach's not the one I would go with. Just start no, naming I'm, names, I'm Brad Roland. Kendrick Perkins. I certainly could. I could. I, yeah, well, that's yeah. He's he's not my favorite, but no, there there are there are tons. But uh, I think Zach Lowe is like number three thousand on that list. If you yeah, want to right. Get through it. But, All yeah. right, coming up, let's get into the conversation about Christoph Porzingis and John Collins. I found it fascinating, at least through my mentions. I want to see what Brad's take is on it. We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do. Brad's got a car. I got a car. We all have cars. There's all kinds of different makes and models of cars. And you want to get the best parts. You want to get the parts that are available for you. You want to get the parts at the right prices, but you don't want to go to all these brick and mortar stores, have to look through aisles and then try to figure out if it's the right fit. And you have to write stuff down, like write the size of the part that you need down and then bring it into the store. Like, what is that? What That's like so old school. Rockauto.com has it exactly the way that you need it. It's online. Every part for your car or truck is available right there. Their catalog is uniquely, uh, 
Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Try to put those words together. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, rockauto.com prices are always reliably low and they don't have two different tiers of prices or anything like that. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you again. Right in locked on in their how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. February is Black History Month, and the Lockdown Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of Black men and women in sports with a new series called Lockdown Presents More Than the Game. Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Lockdown Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Lockdown Women's Basketball discussing the opportunities and challenges that come with being a Black woman in sports. There's a new episode coming next week, so go ahead and subscribe to the Lockdown Presents podcast feed on radio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brad, uh, I tried to invent a word. Did you hear me try to invent a word? Unique and remarkable, I tried to put together. Listen, some of those, uh, some of those things will get your tongue twisted up. <laughs> you know, you know, remarkable is the word that I try to invent there. That'll work. Um, so I, I, posed, I posed the question during the game, is John Collins better than Kristaps Porzingis? Because anytime the, Ma- the, the Hawks play the Mavs, John Collins just has the game of his life, right? He gets like 35 and 15, I think was the last game. And then this one was like 33 and eight or something like that. Uh, which is in part because the Mavs are trapping Trey Young. And so they leave Collins open and they also are leaving the, the rim open most of the times. And so, you know, they, they make it a little bit easier on him, but he does have really good games. He was hitting some really good shots in this game that actually surprised me. And so, you know, he's also going to be a restricted free agent. I'm sure you've talked about that a lot on your show. The Mavs are going to have max cap space this summer. And so a lot of Mavs fans have said, let's, let's get John Collins. And some of them have said, even to the point of let's trade Kristaps Porzingis and bring in John Collins. So I wanted to see what people thought. Do you think John Collins is better than Kristaps Porzingis? I'll ask you from a, from a Hawks perspective. I'm going to answer that. I promise. I would just say to, to that thing about the, about the free agency, I think the Hawks probably keep John Collins, but if they didn't, uh, I would, if I'm the Mavs, I would not try to get rid of Porzingis to get John Collins. I would have them both because they would fit really, really well together. Actually, um, that's my hot take. At any rate, um, man, this is this is a tough one. I think that I have never been a Porzingis guy. I will be honest with you about that. Uh, I think he is a talented player, and I think he's not my the- child. You can say whatever you want. Like, well, you yeah, I know, but the, <laughs> I think this. I think the theory, the theory of him is better than him in practice. If that makes actually, yeah. if that makes any sense. I think the theory of having. Uh, like the super modern big that protects the rim, shoots threes, and checks all the boxes without taking much off the table is great. Um, and he's a, he's a still a good player. I'm not saying he's not. It's just that I've never I've never quite seen it. I, I think I think defensively he's not as good as I would want him to be. And I think offensively it comes and goes. When he's when he's good, he's really good. Um, so all 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 that to say, Collins has taken a step forward too. I, I try not to be a homer on my podcast. That's like my brand is to not be a homer. Um, I think that John Collins is better than people think he is outside of Atlanta, um, especially defensively now. Like the 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 really the knock on Collins, including for me, in his first two plus seasons, maybe even three seasons, was his defense, and now he's like pretty good defensively. Uh, and I, I'll just say this: I think overall, I would have taken Porzingis a year ago, and I think I'd probably take Collins now. That, that's my that's Ooh. my hot take. If it's hot, and again. I preface that the whole thing about Porzingis just to say, I'm not going to come on and say that John Collins is like a top 25 player in the league. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm just a little bit lower on Porzingis in general, which makes that an easier take for me to have. 
Yeah, and it's super easy to be low on Porzingis right now, right? He's he just had another injury, but he was just recently one of the best players in the bubble, right? That he was given that, you know, it's kind of a BS award, but the, you know, players of the bubble, he was given one of those awards. There's only like 10 or 15 of those given he played out. Well. He yeah. played really well in the bubble. And so we've seen him play really well. The end of last season, he was like a, you know, 30 and 10 kind of guy down the stretch the last, you know, 20 games or so. And so we've seen really good basketball from Porzingis. It's just, he's got to keep it consistent, put it together. He's got to have stretches where he plays more than, you know, 15 good games. You have, you have to be like the second best player on a championship team to be an all-star in the Western conference instead of just the East. You have to put together a full season. We haven't really seen that yet because of injuries and also consistency. And this season, you know, you missed the first nine games because the recovering from meniscus tear. And then, um, you know, he, he misses those games and comes back and he's really, really inconsistent so far this season. His best games have been against, uh, the Pacers when they didn't have Miles Turner and then the Timberwolves when they didn't have Towns. So it's like he's really taking advantage of some of these teams that, um, you know, that don't have any big men inside basically or playing like G League guys or uh, he's he's struggling against really good teams. So we have to we have to see more, right? So I think it's, it's easy right now to say that, yes, Porzingis is not as good as John Collins. I think uh, some of the funniest answers that were sent to me was, John Collins today, Christoph Porzingis a month from now, right? Like it's, it's kind of that thing where uh, maybe there's some recency bias there. John Collins definitely outplayed Porzingis in this game. Porzingis was awful yeah. uh, in this one. And then uh, John Collins, man, like if he's playing defense, all of a sudden that changes it because he becomes the player that you kind of wanted Porzingis to be just a little bit shorter and definitely not as good of a shot blocker as we expected Porzingis to be. But some of these like turnaround jumpers, has he been adding this to his game or is this a new development for him? He's got a little bit of that. I will say he has been better against Dallas than he has been overall. I'm sure you've probably noticed that. (laughs) There's like Uh, this weird thing where he's so good against Dallas. And so now I have this warped perspective of him. And I think a lot of Mavs fans too, which is why most of them said that Collins is better than Porzingis. But uh, yeah, Yeah, I got a lot of that. Um, (laughs) I got a lot of that either before or right after the first matchup when I did a couple of dallas based things and people were really excited about collins like can collins get out of atlanta in free agency i'm like well yeah maybe uh, I, I guess that that means you want him to come to the mavericks um no it's i think he is developing in a lot of different ways i think offensively he's always been pretty darn impressive and super hyper efficient like if you look at the numbers he's one of the more efficient finishers in the league and his shooting has come a long way he's now like a, a legitimate knockdown shooter when he's open not not, not a great like shoot off the dribble guy but if he's open it's going to go in at a pretty good clip and then defensively yeah he's gotten so much better like not he's not going to be an all defense guy but i think now he's trending towards being a positive whereas coming into the league i was terrified i mean the hawks taking him at 19 overall this is a few years back now obviously I thought it was okay, um, mostly because he fell further than he was supposed to fall. And I really didn't even consider him being available at 19, and then he was. I was like, all right, well, I didn't love his defense. And then you watch him for a year and a half, two years, and it was like, all right, well, this is what I thought. He can't really defend. He's kind of a 4.5 offensively, all that stuff. But now he's still kind of a tweener. If you want to get like crit- critical of him, it's probably the right word. If you want to like try to pour cold water on it, he's still, you know, he's like 6'9". He's not huge. Yeah. And he's not terribly long, but he's such an athletic guy. He plays super hard. He's versatile. He can shoot it. And like, he doesn't want really to take anything off the table now. So yeah, I think he's really good. Uh, hot take, but people, <laughs> everyone's always asking me if he's going to get out of Atlanta. I think the Hawks will probably keep him just because they have his match rights and all of that stuff. The, the price tag might be higher than they want to go, but at the end of the day, you kind of have to blow a team out of the water to, to get someone in, uh, in restricted free agency. 
And the last time the Hawks had a guy that they wanted to keep, ironically, that was restricted free agent, um, is currently on the maps, and it's Tim Hardaway Jr. So the last time the Hawks let, let a guy go was Tim, was, was Tim Hardaway Jr. And that famously was a deal where the Knicks overpaid by like $20 million. So yes. if that happens again, maybe. But other than that, I, I think he's going to stay in Atlanta probably. And the Mavs are still paying for that deal is, is what's happening right now for Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah, so, so John Collins would be like the perfect version of what the Mavs think Dwight Powell is. They have this just like love for Dwight Powell. And it's recently faded since, you know, he tore his Achilles and he's been out and he just hasn't been the same as an athlete. But they, they've they always thought that he was that type of player that John Collins is. And so bringing him in, he could be really – he would be really, really hyper-efficient and good for the Mavs, but he's not your second-best player on a, on a team, right? Like he's not your second-best player on a, a playoff-type team. Uh, I just thought that, yeah, that, I mean, that conversation was interesting. Yeah. No, it, it is. And, and I think not to go, not to get Hawks fans mad at me, but I do think if you honestly, if you drew up the perfect center to pair with John Collins in a lab, I'm not sure it's exactly Borzingis, but it's close. You know what I mean? Like you would want the guy who spaces the floor and lets Collins be the role man. And Porzingis is not like un- incapable of rolling in the basket, but he's, you know, he's still a four spacer and all that stuff. It's that Miles Turner type of guy that every, that every team wants now that's like that floor spacer, but also protects the rim guy. Yes. And yeah, the Hawks don't have that right now. The Hawks, the Hawks, to their credit, plugged the hole with Capella, and Capella has been quite good this season outside of tonight. But those guys are not like an absolute perfect fit together. Whereas um, Porzingis is maybe that kind of archetype better. Yeah, and when the Mavs, they ran Dwight Powell next to Porzingis a lot last year. And John Collins obviously better than Dwight Powell, but he plays that same type of role. The, the roller, he can defend fours on the, you know, on defense where Porzingis can defend the rim kind of deal. And then he can play the five on offense in their system where he's rolling. And, you know, sometimes he pops every once in a while, but yeah, that would be, it would be a perfect fit there. Uh, especially with Lucas setting him up where, you know, the way that the trade does, it would work really well for sure. But I don't think he's better than Porzingis. So I guess we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. All right, coming up, let's talk a little bit more about some big picture stuff. Hawks and Mavs expectations where they are right now, Luca and Trey, we're not going to get into Luca versus Trey. Just, you know, it's just, Brad hasn't talked about it on his. We haven't really talked about it on ours. We throw shade every once in a while, just as you know, as a joke. But uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of been been done too many times. So we're not going to do that. But coming up, we'll talk more about these teams and we'll get into it with Brad. But before we do, BetOnline.ag it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action. There's so much stuff on BetOnline. There, there's so many things you can bet on reality TV. You can bet on college games. You can bet on NBA games every single night. There's uh there's so much to get into esports they have on here poker I don't know how you bet on poker like you just sit and watch their hands and bet based on hands or you got a certain poker player you want uh, but there's so many other things you can bet on with Bet Online go to BetOnline.ag use the promo code Locked On you get 50% welcome bonus they have real time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine it's covered uh, all the news scores and odds that you want right in one place on their app. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today. Again, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And this episode is brought to you by 1010. You may have read this in the New York Times, InStyle, or Forbes. We're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have you. Un- each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. 
We all know that the diamond ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, the Aussie host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball than any other fantasy basketball podcast in the on the planet. Just no one else. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcast. All right, Brad Roland. So what were the Hawks? What were, what were fans and maybe your expectations of the Hawks and how have they met or not met them so far this season? Um, I think that... It kind of depends on who you ask, as you might know. Uh, there's always parts of every fan base that are high and low and somewhere in the middle. Um, I think in general, like I, I go off of, I'm kind of inclined to talk about like Vegas stuff and go with, in terms of our friends at betonline.ag, for instance, um, <laughs> as like a, a projection kind of level. And the Hawks were about a 500 team for most people. And I was kind of in that range. I think I picked the Hawks to go 37 and 35 before the season started which is not, it's kind of where they are right now. I mean, they're a little bit below 500 at, at, at this moment in time. Schedule has been pretty difficult for Atlanta. The big thing, quite honestly, for the Hawks, and it's not like an excuse, but it's just the reality. They've had a ton of injuries. Um, and right now it's not any worse than it's been so far, but they're missing their two best wings for the next several weeks with Bogdanovich and DeAndre Hunter. Um, Bogdanovich has barely played. Uh, they had Gallinari missed a bunch of time at the beginning of the season. Chris Dunn's not played at all. Um, they just kind of haven't had the team that they wanted to have. Uh, and I guess on the flip side, they have had Young and Collins and Capella, which does help. Um, that's kind of their, you know, three-man core at the moment, I would say at the top. But Hunter was breaking out and all that stuff. So I think overall, it's been like kind of what I expected, especially when you account for the injuries, hanging around 500, being like a fringe playoff team in the East, um, showing signs. But I think ultimately, they'll be better than this when they have everybody around. It's just not going to happen for a while because their starting small forward is going to be out for two plus months as of this week. So I'm kind of in the middle. They've kind of been what I what I thought, even though if it's kind of been frustrating at times, they have a couple of games that they probably should have won. They should probably be like, you know, 13 and 11 or 12 and 12, something like that, because their net rating is still positive for the season. But they're just kind of what they've been so far. And it's that's not sexy, but it's kind of what I think. <laughs> not sexy, but what I think the lockdown yeah. Hawks story. <laughs> it really is kind of my story. Honestly, that is probably what I'm known for the most. It's just not uh, being too high or too low. Like everyone wants to fire Lloyd Pierce after, after every loss. And I, I don't, I don't want to do that. Uh, and, and if they win three in a row, I'm not, I'm not going to come on and be like championship. That's not going to happen. I, I'm just going to be somewhere in the middle. You give it to him straight. That's, you know, if that, that, that's that, that is, that, that is the, that is, that is the mindset. We'll say that. Go for it. So with the Mavericks, it, it's kind of been a similar thing, right? They've had, they had some pretty big expectations. They thought maybe top four, top five in the West at the beginning of the season, which actually is not too far off right now. The Mavericks are, after tonight's game, they're 12 and 14. And they're, what, two game, two and a half games back from the Blazers at fifth, in fifth, which is wild. But they're in a, the Mavs are in 11th right now. It's just so wild how close all these teams are right now. But the Mavericks have had Luka Doncic basically the whole season. He missed one game. Porzingis missed the first nine games, but he's been playing. But who they've missed is Josh Richardson, Maxi Kleba, and Dorian Finney-Smith, like the core of their defense, like the th their three best defensive players by far, and just three of their starters, basically. And they missed them for two, almost three weeks. 
And so that was just brutal on this team. And so they missed those guys a lot. They're finally getting them back. And so unlike the Hawks, they do have their guys back now. Nobody was on the injury report before the Hawks game. And so they finally have everybody back. The thing is, just not everybody's going to play consistently every single night, which is, is strange. It's just the way the Mavs players are right now. And so Carlisle's made some interesting decisions. He finally, uh, in this game, I guess, against the Hawks, he benched Porzingis at the end. That was kind of a huge deal, I think, because – Porzingis has been kind of getting his way with minutes. And we've, we've talked a lot on the lockdown maps about Porzingis was asking to play longer stretches in the first quarter. And he was asking coach, he was asking us the media, like he was, he was making it known. He really wanted to play a little bit more and change his minutes and his rotation. And then finally Carlisle caved to it. And so I was like, interesting. He's kind of caving to it. And then he, and I was like, man, maybe they're just going to be beholden to whatever Porzingis wants to say because they want to keep him or they want to keep him happy or whatever. And then in this game, he just sits him for the rest of the fourth. Now he was in foul trouble, but he didn't put him in situationally or anything like that. Willie Cosine kind of outplayed him in that game, which is not good for the Mavericks. That's <laughs> just not a good sign <laughs> at all. So Carlisle makes that move. He doesn't, he doesn't play Porzingis at the end. And uh, yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see what the fallout is. Porzingis didn't talk to the media. Carlisle kind of, you know, dipped and dodged all over questions about it but the Mavericks are definitely on an upswing right now so uh yeah they haven't reached expectations but they're on their way to it for sure yeah that sounds right I mean as someone who occasionally has to cover the entire league I don't think anybody had Dallas at 12 and 14 uh and obviously before that what were they 8 and 13 something like that nobody had them there so uh I think that that's probably baseline expectation of Dallas being better than they've been so far I think the Hawks are going to be better than this once they have everybody but we'll see i mean other than that it's kind of crazy i think they're still yeah at this moment in time the hawks are still firmly in the middle of the playoff mix despite being two games under 500 because the hawks play in the east i'm not sure if you knew that (laughs) the east is a lot easier to navigate than the west well aware uh what have you thought about the additions so you haven't seen bogdanovich a lot right he hasn't played in either of the mavs games uh gallinari has been he was not super great in, in this game, but he has been decent. Uh, Capella is kind of an addition this season, even though he, you added him last season. What have you thought about the new Hawks so far this season? Yeah, it kind of depends on what, what, whether you count Capella or not. Obviously, they had him in the middle of the season, but he hadn't played. So if he's an addition, it makes the group look a lot better because he's been <laughs> awesome this season. Uh, like Capella coming into the game tonight was leading the league in rebounds and has been really good defensively. And that's why they traded for him was to help the defense. Anything offensively that he does is just gravy. And he's not been fantastic offensively. His numbers are actually a little bit down efficiency-wise from where they were in Houston. But that trade was about defense and kind of plugging a hole at center. And he covers up for a lot. Like the, the upgrade the Hawks made from where they were last year with the worst center group in the entire league to going to Capella is just, you know, leaps and bounds. Um, but other than that, the other guys that they've signed, and they spent a ton of money, of course, they turned a lot of heads this offseason – It's actually gone as about as poorly as it possibly could have, quite honestly, between injuries and performance. Um, So Chris Dunn has not played at all. He was injured when they signed him. He's still injured now. Um, But Donovan just played nine games. He was not fantastic by his standards when he was playing, and now he's been out for several weeks. Gallinari is easing into things. Um, He's now finally getting his base restriction up, up, and up but he's not playing at his highest level yet. Uh, there, there definitely been, been some flashes with him. You can definitely see what, what they're trying to do there with the offense that he brings, but he's an older guy. He doesn't move all that well, all that stuff. And then they also signed Rajon Rondo to a two-year deal that baffled me when it happened, and he's been pretty bad. So they made four moves in free agency. 
I think all four have gone worse than they expected to this point. Now, that doesn't mean they have to stay that way. I think Madonna and Gallinari especially are good players that will be good when they are healthy. But when you when you factor it all in, the Hawks have basically been somewhat close to the team they were last year plus Capella. And the team they were last year was bad. So uh, it's kind of a credit to them that they've been actually able to play decently so far. That's, that's a credit to guys like Trey Young and John Collins and DeAndre Hunter that they've been able to be as decent as they've been despite getting very little from the new guys. Yeah, and you'd hope for some internal like you know progression from from Trey Young and John Collins, and I think we've seen that so far this season. It's just yeah, all those additions have not not played. DeAndre Hunter also was was given the, the the Hawks a lot, and now he's been out. So that's definitely one where you're like, oh, he was he was playing well, he was giving us good stuff, and then all of a sudden he's just out of the lineup for however long. I'm not sure. Yeah, actually, he he was he was breaking out, and now they they've not said this, but Travis Link on the radio said seven to ten weeks. So that's a long oh, time. Oh God. Yeah. So, and he was like, honestly, having like a full fledged breakout season. Granted, it was small sample size, but averaging like 17 a game and super efficient and looking like a top five pick that he was. And uh, now it's on hold for a while. So, that was the honestly the biggest story of the season so far for the Hawks. Obviously, Trey Young is the most famous guy. He's been good and all that stuff. And so is John. But Hunter's breakout was the, was the number one topic uh, right before he we went down. And now he's out for a while and they got to figure it out. Well, he was a former Lakers draft pick and all of them turned out. At least good or decent. <laughs> I guess he was like a draft pick uh, if you want to get technical. Yes. <laughs> Just like I guess Trey Young was a was a Mavs draft pick. Well, Hunter actually got traded twice. It was it was Lakers, Lakers to Pelicans to Hawks all on the all on the same uh I just remember DeAndre way, Hunter so. with a Lakers hat walking across. It's it's the draft is so weird when they do that. I I go on a rant every year about this, but just like, we know the trades are going through either make the guy wait or, you know, just let him use the hat. That's allegedly, you know, it, it, it has truly broken the way the system works around the draft with the way the CBA all happens. And we all know, we all know why I can explain to you why it is, but you're right that if you're not a diehard and you're just like, why is Luka Doncic wearing a, wearing a Hawks hat right now when the trade yes. happened an hour and a half ago? Like it just doesn't, it just it never makes sense. The thing is that, yeah, like, yeah, we can, we can both explain this, but the, the trade doesn't really go down. We just know that it's going into the league office and they're doing like dotting their T's and crossing their I's and all that kind of stuff. The, the word moratorium, the word moratorium matters a lot for some reason. So yeah, apparently, well, oh, you don't have to tell Mavs fans the moratorium matters. Well, get, oh, yes. Fl- get flashbacks of Deandre Jordan in, in his house. <laughs> all right, Brad, uh, you, everybody can follow him. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast to follow Brad, all Hawk stuff. And he's not one of those Hawks. Obviously, if you've listened to this whole episode, you know, he's not one of those Hawks fanboys that is going to just crap on Luca anytime, any chance he gets. Uh, I try to do the same, uh, maybe with less tax than Brad does. So if you want to follow me, Hawks fans, you can follow me. There's a link in the description of our podcast as well. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow with another show. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs and Hawks.